Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you all a game preview for the Thunder Houston Rockets game. And for the Thunder going into tonight's ball game, they're 8 and 10 right now and the Houston Rockets are 9 and 9. So they are right next to each other in the standings right now in the Western Conference. This could be a big one. Winner of this one stays in their seed or, you know, um, in our case, if the Thunder beat the Rockets, we switch spots with them. But this is not just a one-game thing. Sure, we play them tonight at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You guys know where to find it. Fox Sports, Oklahoma. But this is not just a one-game series. We have another baseball series against these guys. So whether we win or lose this one, we got another crack against the Rockets on Wednesday. So there's going to be, you know, some adjustments made between games one and two. But I'm just going to be giving you all kind of what I think should be the game plan going into game one of this two-game baseball series. And I mean, when we're looking at the Rockets right now, they are on fire. They're nine and nine right now. That seems like a mediocre record. They're not even making the playoffs right now. If the if the you know conference uh, playoffs started, they're outside. They're not even in the play-in games. That's how stacked the West is this year. But they were four and nine at one point, and we were looking at these picks like, oh my goodness, these guys are really about to tank. That was a serious point of discussion. This James Harden deal happens. They acquire Victor Oladipo, and there was like two different paths paths these guys could take. I said it. Um, I believe I had Nick on whenever we reacted to the James Harden trade. We were thinking there's two roads that the Houston Rockets franchise could take. Either they keep chugging along and try to repeat what we did last year, build up, you know, trade value on all their assets and maybe try to flip them off later, or they could just try to tank immediately. And it seems like they're doing pretty well just trying to run with their roster right now. They are killing it. The three-man combo of John Wall, Victor Oladipo, and Christian Wood has done wonders for them, and they still have some gems. They got Eric Gordon, who has been a flamethrower off the bench. They got Jay Sean Tate, who they just brought in. He is beasting for them. They still got P.J. Tucker playing for them. You know, they got guys on the bench as well who can provide. So this is a pretty well-decked team, and it seems like all these chemistry issues have just been solved with James Harden being out of there. And how could I forget... DeMarcus Cousins is on their team too as their backup center. So they kind of got a pretty solid uh, roster right now. I think people are kind of forgetting about them because now they don't have the beard on their squad. But they got a pretty good grouping of like a first and second unit. That's a that's a good team in the Western Conference that you're looking at right here. And this is an interesting game because since we own the Houston Rockets pick this year, except if it's picks one through four, then they get it. You know, a win here could mean something in terms of lottery balls. And obviously you're not going to try to actively tank in this game. You know, if you're going to lose games, it probably should not be against the Houston Rockets. This is the game that you want to see the Thunder kill. You want to see them kill the Rockets and you want to see them kill the Miami Heat because we can have their picks. Okay, and then I believe the one that we want to lose in it's against the Golden State Warriors because, you know, it's top 20 protected. They need to win some games for us to get that first round pick. So you want to see the Thunder just take it right to the Houston Rockets tonight and try to scrap out not just a dub on Monday, but on Wednesday 
as well. So there is some real incentives here in terms of what is on the line in this game. And for the Thunder, I mean, this is going to be a tough contest because they're on fire. And it's not like these other games where we kind of get a free pass with superstars being out. The only person out is David Nwaba. And as far as my standards go, that is not a superstar. They're not taking a hit anywhere. Nawaba was like their third string shooting guard to small forward at times. He wasn't going to play much. They got Eric Gordon. They got Victor Oladipo. That's a solid two-guard position. And Jay Sean Tate looks solid. They got Ben McElmore. I don't think they have any problems with Nawaba being out. And for us, for the Thunder, I mean, there are still some players out. Number one, Josh Hall is listed as out. And it's very confusing to me because he was listed as out last game, but he actually ended up playing. Um, I think maybe he might have got upgraded just hours before, but he was under like COVID protocol. And I don't know exactly what they listed Josh Hall as out for this game. As crazy as it is, I didn't see it. So if it's still under health and protocol, that's a really bit, that's like really, really confusing. I don't know what the injury is, but he is marked as out for this game. I don't even know. He may step on the court, but I'm just I'm just going off what I'm hearing here. Um, one guy I know that is going to be out, and I think everybody knows, Ty Jerome is still out, man. What is going on? We need some sort of update here. Dagnall hinted at an update, but that was like a week or two ago. What the hell? What is going on with Ty Jerome? And then also, George Hill's out, and that's the big one. He is still out with that thumb injury. He was having issues gripping the basketball. That's a big problem to be having whenever your primary uh, your primary role on the team is shooting the basketball. So he needs to heal up. That means Teo Maladon is going to get the starting gig for the third straight game against the Houston Rockets tonight. And I cannot be more happy about this. Maladon balled out with 24 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists in the last game against the Brooklyn Nets. Could not miss any jumpers, 6-6 six six from downtown. He only missed one shot in the entire course of the game, firing on all cylinders. And he is going to be playing against the hardest matchup yet. Up to this point, Maladon, when he's in the starting unit, has been playing against kind of fill-in players. Devin Booker was out in the, um, in the Phoenix Suns game. And then in the Brooklyn Nets game, his matchup kind of got switched around. I think he was guarding Joe Harris majority of the time. Joe Harris went off for some big numbers in that game, but I don't think Joe Harris is as good as Victor Oladipo. Maybe I'm wrong. Joe Harris set the bar really high with his performance against us, um, but Victor Oladipo has been an all-star. He's been through the ranks before. This is a high, highly regarded basketball player right here. And he's been really nice with Houston. He's been averaging 22 points, five rebounds, five assists. I don't think he's actually making the all-star game, but with numbers like that, that's something you throw into the conversation. In a normal year, he's probably right around there, but the West is too packed. I don't know how things are going to shape out with him, but he does have some all-star stat lines as of right now. And as a Thunder fan, I think we all know he's not a one-dimensional player. Like when he was with us in that one season with Russell Westbrook and Sabonis and all that, he didn't look that great on offense, like he refined his game big time once he got over to Indiana, but he was a solid player, athletically he was a beast, he was one of our best defenders, shooting wise he had his on and off games, 
but he is a consistent shooter now. So you need to be looking out for him. He can kill you on offense. As you can see, he's been passing the ball, averaging five assists with them right now. That's a bit surprising to hear, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, he can hit, he can go inside, and you already know he is one of the best defenders in his position. So that should make it tough for Teo. That's not an easy feat. You know, to be going against one of the best players in the position as a 19-year-old rookie in your third game. But you guys should have your hopes up because Teo, he's been professional from the get-go. There has been, like, no moments in the entire season where you have looked at Teo Maladone in a game and said, he's tensing up, he's hesitant. No, he just does his thing. And that's seriously something that cannot be said with, like, really anyone on the team everyone has had their moments from top to bottom where they have looked just off maladone has stayed consistent through and through if the ball's going through the bottom of the basket it really doesn't matter i guess maybe you can say he was having some slip-ups like in the early parts of this month or january i guess it's not january anymore but whatever in the beginning of the new year he did have some turnover issues that was the only time where maladone didn't look his usual self but once he got back up there, he's looked like a natural. Shooting the basketball, never been a problem. And defensively, it has not been a big issue. Maladone, I don't think he's going to be tripped up by playing against Victor Oladipo. So I don't know if he's going to be playing shoot around again. The thing that happened against the Brooklyn Nets, really what was going on is they wanted to apply pressure to SGA early and often. They did not want him shooting the basketball at all. He still finished with 24 points, and he had 10 points off the charity stripe, but he was just going right at them, and the Nets had to respond, so they kept applying more and more people onto him, and they wanted Teo Maladone to shoot the basketball that whole night, and whenever Maladone got it, for the most part, he shot it every time. He only passed up one or two good open looks, but one of those open looks turned into a Mike Muscala three ball that he kicked out to the corner, Muscala knocks it down because he was also fairly open. So good decision making by him. If he's left wide open by Oladipo, you should be expecting the same. I'm not talking six for six because that is literally historical numbers when you stack it up against other Thunder game performances. That's literally historical. Um, but I think if he's left wide open, he should be good to go. As I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, he is the team leader in catch-and-shoot field goal percentage. He is almost making 50% of his shots off the catch-and-shoot. And these shots are coming off of wide-open passes from SGA and Baisley. If he's wide open, he's going to shoot and he's going to convert. So I can see Maladone just keeping up with the pace. I don't know about 24 points, but I definitely think he will have some sort of impact on the offensive side of the ball on this game. We'll see how he responds to Victor Oladipo. Obviously, Oladipo has been around the block. He's no uh, newcomer to the league. Maladone kind of is. He has not played someone with the kind of skills that Oladipo has had, to be quite honest with you. We'll see how he stacks up being put up at the two position against one of the best in Victor Oladipo. But I think the next thing to talk about looking into tonight's game it's Isaiah Roby and I talked about it in my last one too I talked about Maladone and I talked about Roby so this is kind of an extension but it comes to this game right here because this is a very important game Isaiah Roby 
played just 10 and 12 minutes in the last two games, but when he was starting, he was playing close to like 30. I think it was like 26, 27 odd minutes or something like that, and they weren't terrible numbers, just could not crash the glass. He fell out of the rotation, and it's pretty like, it's like a no-brainer that Al Horford took his spot back, right? That's not a question. But this Houston Rockets game is the game where Roby, I don't know if he should be starting, but he should have a very big role at the five position in this game. It's not its not like a question out of left field, right? There is a reason why he is a viable option, specifically tonight and on Wednesday. And it's because of one man on the Houston Rockets, Christian Wood. Christian Wood has been a dominant force for the Houston Rockets. He was, quite frankly, the biggest steal in the free agency period. He got picked up. He's getting paid like 13 mil, and he's dropping crazy numbers for this team right now. Astronomical numbers. You would not expect this from Christian Wood. At least, if you didn't know who he was entering the season, you would have just seen him as a quality, maybe like 10 and 8 guy. You know, that's what you're looking for with Christian Wood. He has far exceed those expectations and he is doing a lot more than you would imagine christian wood is one of the most diverse big men in the entire nba he's six foot ten 214 pounds so he's a pretty lean guy but what it allows christian wood to do is just slash right to the basket he literally looks like a small forward when he's charging into the lane and these traditional bigs literally they can't handle they cannot handle christian wood the speed the size and the touch around the basket is too overpowering he is a straight up slasher the amount of times he's able to finish at the rack is crazy and the playmaking skills he has to complement his drives or make him so special he's not going just charging right at you he can put a couple dribble moves on the big man if he would like to, to get to the basket so he is able to isolate and create for himself he can take you off the dribble and one thing that you may suggest is well hey if he's just a guy who kind of stands up top and just charges right at you just stay man down low so he has to come to you. Well, that's where the problem kicks in. Christian Wood is one of the best sharpshooters at the five position this year. He is shooting 38% from downtown on 4.7 attempts this year. And just to give you a bit of a, like a benchmark almost, Al Horford shooting 41% on this season for us. And he's had his games where he stunk, but he's also had these games where he can't miss. Christian Wood, he's kind of been like that, but I don't know. He's been crushing it from three. If you're leaving him wide open, he's going to knock it down. I think if Al Horford's your guy, you leave him open, but I don't know how it works. Uh, he could just still drive even if he has a wide open shot, and he's deadly in the pick and pop, the pick and roll, whatever he wants to do. He can finish the lobs off. He can step outside for the jumper. It doesn't matter. There's so much skill to his game and even going for the rebounds. This guy will sky up, grab the board and just flick it right back up for some second chance points. So offensively, he's got the whole package you want. This guy plays like a three guard, but he can play from the three to five position. I'm not going to say he'd be playing three traditionally. He's a four or a five, but he's got moved up to the five this year and he's destroyed everyone in his past so far. And defensively, you may think that's kind of where the hole in his game is. Because look, he's 214 pounds 
we've seen these smaller bigs just can get completely destroyed when they're going against guys that are 30, 40, 50 pounds bigger than them. You guys remember Joe Chi for the Houston Rockets? This guy played like two seasons or something, and he could not play. He was a killer when it came to blocking shots. This guy had a wingspan probably bigger than Pokachevsky. I'm not going to like quote that or anything, but it was pretty up there. This guy could block shots, but if you put a big guy on him, just back him down once or twice. This guy's on the other side of the court. You can just go up for the easy layup. That's not what Christian Wood's like. He can hold his ground on bigger defenders and still get great shot contests on you. He, he is averaging 1.6 blocks per game on the year. So that just shows you, you cannot take him lightly as a bigger guy going to him at the rack because you are going to pay big time. He is a rim protector. The Rockets got a good one in Christian Wood. He was He's a straight up juggernaut. He does it all for you and he can lead your team. He is a viable first option on the squad right now. He's leading the team with 23.6 points and a leading 10.7 rebounds on the year. He's a walking double-double and not just a traditional 10 and 10. Yeah, 23 and 10. Are you kidding me right now? For those of you who maybe like aren't in the loop on Christian Wood, I'd probably compare him to like a Julius Randle attacking the basket, but he can shoot the lights out. And I don't even know if that's a good like comparison for Christian Wood. I think Julius Randle's pretty solid going to the rack. I don't know about the post moves. I think Randall likes backing down a lot. Christian Wood does it at times, but definitely not as much. Uh, he shoots a lot though, and Julius Randall has kind of shied away from that this year. So it may be a disservice to Wood comparing him that way, but that's the best way I can explain it to other players in the league, at least that are currently playing in the league. But there's two options here when it comes to how you're defending Christian Wood, and it's either having Al Horford on him or Isaiah Roby on him. And when you got Al Horford playing defense on him, it's going to allow for more Thunder rebounds. Al Horford is clearly the bigger guy. He should be able to get the rebounds a lot more than Isaiah Roby. And Christian Wood should not be getting any quick ones or freebies when Al Horford is manning the middle down low. And Al Horford, he's been a perimeter threat, especially in the past couple games. Ever since he came back from his six-game absence, he has been our best three-point shooter on the entire roster. Maybe Maladon could be second just off that one game, but in the two-game stretch that Horford has had, he's barely missed the three ball. You don't want to leave him open because he will get hot. However, if he starts off bad this game, it may create some problems. If he's able to be sound from downtown the entire game, it's going to create some options for you. And one thing, maybe, just maybe Al Horford might be able to post up. We saw him in these last couple ones, like trying to do some mid-range, like he's posting it up, post up middies, like fadeaways almost. Really, I've never seen Al Horford do this stuff before. He had some moderate success with it. I don't know if he's going to try it on wood, but that's just something you can try to throw in there. Maybe he can try to use his size to his advantage, but Christian Wood... He's pretty good at uh, holding his ground, man. I think the negatives, though, with Al Horford, though, like, he really can't guard Christian Wood from the perimeter. We've seen, even going against people like Nikola Vucevic, Al Horford doesn't want to move a muscle. He wants to stay down low 
and double. He wants to risk the three-pointers. That's probably what happens with Christian Wood because if Al Horford is actually like playing tight on Wood, it's going to be a death sentence. Christian Wood will just blaze right by him, get the blow by 10 times out of 10, and get on Sports Center. So we don't want that to happen. He will have to sag off on Christian Wood just due to the athletic ability and speed that he possesses. And if he does want to go up on him, like I mentioned, he's going to drive. So the issue is, I mean, just how are you going to stop him when he gets into open space? Maybe if he's trying to back you down, it's another thing. But when you give him the room to operate at the top of the key, there might be some issues right there with Al Horford. I think the payoff should be the rebounding and potentially Horford getting hot. But I mean, if Christian Wood gets it together from three, it's going to be a nightmare because he can shoot at three levels, and I'm not even joking. If he's cold from downtown and he has to drive in, that could be one thing. He may struggle, but I think even if Horford is prepared for Wood, he still may not be able to stop him every single time. You know what I'm saying? That's how good Wood is, so he's going to get his points up. It just kind of depends on where he's hitting them from. And with Isaiah Roby, I mean, he's six foot eight, 230 pounds. He's outmatched by Wood. I mean, su no, surprisingly not in the weight category. You know, Roby has double-digit pound advantage on him, but height-wise, he's losing that matchup right there. I do think with Roby, though, he's just like Wood in the sense where he's kind of a four being moved up to the five to kind of get his skills jacked up a little bit. So you move Roby up to the five spot. He's fast enough to go up on Christian Wood. I think if you put Roby and Christian Wood in a uh, in a 500 meter dash, it'd probably be down to the wire. I don't know who I'd pick right there, but they would definitely be neck and neck throughout the entire time. I think he's athletic enough to kind of cover Christian Wood's drives. I feel like he's not going to get as much success just trying to blow by defenders. Roby's not going to allow that because as I mentioned, he's kind of quick enough to match him step by step. That may lead to some fouls if he wants to like jump into Roby or whatnot. But I do think there is a potential for Roby to be taking him from up top and go all the way down low. Maybe getting some help on the way to stop him. But I do think there is some potential there. I don't think with Horford, he's going to be able to go up top and get back in time by the time uh, he drives all the way in, if you know where I'm going with that. I think a surprising thing with Roby is his blocking. I mean, he was blocking a lot of shots in some of those games that he's had this season. With Christian Wood, if he's trying to just back him down and do some scoop layups, I think Roby should be able to block him. And even chase down wise, Roby's able to get up there and make the plays. So blocking could be something that you look for in Roby that he may have an advantage on Al Horford with. Also, just speeding up the pace in general. We know that the Houston Rockets are going to be going as fast as humanly possible when they got Christian Wood running the five. Their lineup is just filled with very, very fast talent. I think the one outsider maybe like a P.J. Tucker or whatever, if he is playing at the four position for them in this game. But they got John Wall, one of the fastest guards in the entire league. They got Victor Oladipo, who I would say is pretty fast. You got Daniel House, or you can put Jay Sean Tate in there. Those guys are both pretty decently fast. I'm not going to say they're like 
you know, killing our guys. I don't think they're going to outrun Dort or anything, but they're quick enough. P.J. Tucker, not so much, but Christian Wood boosted up a lot because he does not play like the five, as I've said probably like 10 times at this point. But yeah, they're going to be pushing the pace. You want to be able to match that, and you go with Isaiah Roby. Now, it's a risky game because if you're matching their speed and you're getting your shots up in like, you know, 10, 12 seconds, and you're missing, and they're getting shots up in 10, 12 seconds, and they're converting, that's going to lead to potentially some crazy runs where you just get torched out in a span of two or three minutes. It could be the other side where the Thunder are kicking their ass and they can't, you know, match us point for point or whatever. But it's a it's a difficult game to be playing. So you can throw Roby in there and roll the dice. With Al Horford, you already know the speed you're kind of getting there. It's a little bit more of a wild card when you replace Roby with Al Horford at the spot, though. I think the issues with Roby, it's going to be in the post. I think Wood will be trying to attack the post. That's something that you have seen a ton with these centers. I mean, Wood's not as big, but he's still very, very strong. I think he's a lot stronger than uh, some of the other people he's faced. I think a lot of these centers Roby has gone after have just kind of revolved around their weight carrying them, not as much like sheer strength. Christian Wood is like sheer strength. He's able to muscle you and get the shots that he likes. So that's something Roby would have to be aware of throughout the game and try to stop that. I also think rebounding's an issue. We've seen Roby has had times where he can't get a rebound to save his life, and there's really nothing you could do about it because we don't really have another big outside of Horford. And when Horford was gone, what do you call on? Mike Muscala, Pokachevsky? I don't know. You just kind of had to sit there and, and watch him just go at it some more. I think he puts up a fight every single time. So there's those games where he's getting three re rebounds as a starter, but then there's the ones where he's getting double doubles. And sometimes he's getting double doubles and hardly playing like 20 minutes. So it's a bit of uh, unclarity there on whether or not he will be big on the rebounds or not. It's also just another risk. It's always a risk throwing Roby in to those huge roles because either it's going to give you the biggest advantage of the game, or it can put you in an uncomfortable situation. Rebounding is a big factor that you kind of throw on the line, throw on Roby in there. If he's able to go and get rebounds at the same rate as Wood, you should be fairly good. I think that's the main thing that you should be highlighting when you're comparing a Roby-Christian Wood matchup. And another thing, a byproduct of just getting those rebounds are the second chance buckets. We have had issues in the past stopping the offensive rebounds and second chance points. That is not going to stop if Christian Wood is able to gather the ball off of the rim. So that's what I think you should be looking for there. Personally, I think that it's worth the risk giving Roby an increased role. I don't know if I'm throwing him in the starting lineup entirely, but he definitely deserves more than 10 to 12 minutes going against these guys. Are you kidding me? We're playing them two times. You tested out the first game. If it's working, you give him an even bigger role on Wednesday. If it's not working, sure, you can knock it down. But this is the game you want to get your testing in. You experiment here. Give Roby some minutes, Mark Dagnall. We want to see the 22-year-old going at it at one of the league's best centers in the game. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. See ya.